Today is December 31st, 2023, 12-31-23, 1-2-3, 1-2-3. That'll never happen again, all right? Something to look forward to. So uh, when Nate and Rachel were singing that second song, they were talking about the evidences here, his goodness. This morning I was out feeding horses, I was walking around and I... I look up at Bear Mountain and there's all these beautiful colors and orange sky and then the sun's peeking up over the hill and I just reminded of the goodness of God and what a great day it is and looking forward to a new year. So it's amazing how each year seems to be going by a little bit faster, doesn't it? Just a little bit. Have you guys all made your New Year's resolutions and you got your goals all lined out and everything? No. <laughs> so any list makers out there? I'm a list maker. Anybody out there does that? So what happens if you do something that's not on the list? You have to add it, right. Absolutely. You add it to the list so you can check it off. <laughs> Got that done. So I was looking at my phone. at some notes from last year, some goals, aspirations, uh, resolutions, right? And I realized I don't need a new list. I just need to change the date on the top of it. Huh? Is anybody else like that? This, this year went by really quick. And you ever wonder uh, why we're so dreadfully low success rate of people fulfilling their new... In this Bible app we're talking about, the first day in the commentary, they talk about health clubs and gyms. They bring out all this equipment because all these people are, they're going to get in shape this year. They're going to go on a diet. And uh, after about a month, they, all that extra equipment just goes right back into storage, right? <laughs> so the Astro teaching team for today was to preach from your journal. So that, that makes for an interesting topic, all right? So it's the idea that we're not in a series right now, but uh, for, for the preachers or whoever's up here is to, to share from their heart what's going on in their life, how God's working in their life, what's being impressed upon them as in their daily quiet time and as they journal. So uh, it's, it's quite, a, quite an interesting message. It just all kind of came together, but it's, uh, it's interesting why we do that. So uh, before we get started, I just want to clarify that I don't know if you journal or not, but at times I'm really good at that, right? Very consistent, but often I'm kind of hit and miss. But I, I don't understand why that is because I see the benefit of journaling and I see as uh, it all kind of starts to make sense as it's coming out of the end of your pen onto the paper and it kind of untangles things and your prayer life and just and expectations and what's going on, it makes a lot of sense to write it down. And it's good to reflect back on that, go back to it. And as I was thinking about this message, reflecting on the last couple of months, the recurring thought was that of preparing. So the title of today's message is As We Prepare. The first point is the importance of preparing. So people that know me, they kind of laugh at that, right? I'm, I'm looking at my wife here, and uh, one of my favorite things, hey, babe, you can't rush into these things, right? Because it's, don't you mean procrastinate instead of prepared on? Isn't that what you should be talking about? Because that's what I'm really good at. But the whole idea is that preparing. You know, we recently celebrated Christmas. There's a little bit going on there, right? A little preparation for that as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. You've got these parties and gifts, meals, family get-togethers, and then that celebration 
that born unto us is a savior from the city of David. So looking back on the last few weeks, there have been several events, but there's one in particular that required weeks of preparation for. So uh, we had this turnaround at work. And if I say turnaround at work, that probably means nothing to most of you. But let me just elaborate a little bit. I work in an oil refinery. Okay, so what we do is we take 25,000 barrels of crude oil a day, bring it into the refinery, into the crude unit, we start processing that through heaters and through uh, furnaces, exchangers, we start breaking that oil down. And then it moves to another unit and it goes through more heaters and distillation towers and there's catalysts in these reactors. And ultimately what we wanna do is make gasoline and diesel, right? So you boil this gasoline or this naphtha and then you add hydrogen. Like what could possibly go wrong there, right? <laughs> So that's what we do. <laughs> and, uh, and the goal is we make about 10,000 barrels of gasoline and 10,000 barrels of diesel a day after the blend components go in and do all that. So that's like 420,000 gallons of each a day. But that's what I do. So and from time to time, we have to, we have to shut these units down, part of them, and we service them. We'll pull the equipment, clean it. We'll uh, replace equipment. We will change out catalysts and we bring people in from all around the world to do that, spend a lot of money, but that's a turnaround. And it goes 24 hours a day until you're done. That's, that's what a turnaround is. And as soon as that turnaround's over, we start planning for the next one. So this idea of preparation, it's, it's, it's on my mind a lot. And then recently, uh, uh, at the beginning of the month, I was at, uh, speaking with the Res Youth and that was a message on John the Baptist from Matthew 3. He's preparing the way. So it's all about this preparing the way. And it was, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. It was kind of a, a one-string guitar that, that John the Baptist was playing. It's like, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And prepare the way for the Lord, for make his, his path straight. And repent is an action word. Repent means you're going to be a change in your mind, in your heart, which leads to a change in your action. So looking forward, I realized that uh, a lot of it was the turnaround, and a lot of it was the talk with the youth, but it's also my family and our church family are in the midst of preparing for 2024. There's a lot going on. We're really excited about a lot of things. Uh, just as we prepare our hearts for worship this morning, even if you're not feeling it, you still prepare your hearts for worship because God is so good. As we prepare to proclaim the gospel to a lost world, as we prepare for a new year, as we prepare to cast vision, as we prepare the saints for the work that's been prepared for them, as we prepare our church family to go through the Bible in one year. I'm pretty excited about this. Being in God's word daily changes everything. It changes our perspective, our emotions, our circumstances. And I really want to encourage you to be a part of that. So one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, and yet do it with gentleness and respect. And 
Why this verse is so important to me is because of the, the priority that's put on in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And it's the action of being prepared. Being prepared to make a defense for the hope that you have. And along with what we do, it's how we do it. So we're gonna do it with gentleness and respect. And I believe that God is continually working in us to prepare us for what he has prepared for us. That God is continually working in us to prepare us for what he has prepared for us. We've got these, some friends that recently saw him, Troy and Shay Hess. I don't know if you, you guys know them or not, but uh, Troy's a really interesting guy. He grew up in Kingsburg, and like all of us growing up, he had some, some hourly jobs where he had good bosses, and then he had some bad bosses. And uh, he went on to Fresno State, and he, he met Shay there, and they were involved in, in uh, Young Life, a ministry, reaching out to young people. And eventually, they ended up on staff here at this church, and he was a youth pastor. And so he's working with young people, with volunteers, and with parents. But everything that's happened in his whole life kind of led him up to the point where he had this incredible opportunity to uh, become an owner-operator of a Chick-fil-A franchise right here in Bakersfield, which is kind of weird because usually you have to go to South Carolina or something if you qualify for one, you know. But he stays right here. There's only one Chick-fil-A at that time, and he, he gets the franchise. And it's not a lot of money to get in, but it's a vetting process. It's really, but he was ready. God had prepared he and Shay for what he had prepared for them. It's really interesting because he used to rely on people to donate vehicles to him, and now he's donating vehicles to others. And they have 145 young employees, but everything in life kind of led them up to that. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So some examples of preparing. Wayne Gretzky, one of the greatest hockey players, his dad set him down when he's just a little guy. And he, I just saw this interview, but uh, his dad told him, they start skating in Canada when they're like two months old, I think. I don't know. But anyway, so he's pretty young, but his dad tells him, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Straight up. Never got over that. John Wooden, one of the greatest college basketball coaches ever. They called him the Wizard of Westwood. He led the UCLA Bruins to 10 NC2A championships in 12 years. And his saying, he's famous for this, proper planning prevents poor performance. Man, when they would put a full court press on somebody, just, the game would just turn around, right? Somebody tried to do that to them, they'd just make fun of them. But it was, it was amazing, it was fun to watch them. One of the chapters in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, explains the principle of being proactive, to begin with the end in mind. And sometimes in sporting events, we see this amazing play and we think, man, how lucky was that? And then, uh, but the reality is that luck is simply where preparation meets opportunity. They come together that one time. You see a half court shot by Steph Curry. That, that's not luck. He practiced that. He practices that all the time for that one moment when there's like two clicks on the clock 
and he throws it up from half court. And he sees it going in because he's prepared for that. Or you see, a, a, in football, you see a Hail Mary pass. It happens all the time. But, you know, there's like six people, eight people in the end zone. The ball's going up and somebody comes down with it. They practice that stuff. A golfer making a 40-foot putt, he practices that. It's just not luck. Okay? When we don't prepare, it's like we fight it every step of the way. It's like running against the wind. It's all in the preparation, whether we want to realize it or not. So the second point, when it comes to preparing, if preparing is the key, what is the most important thing to prepare for? I think we have a video here. I will go up to the six-fingered man and say, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Pre- prepare to die. Oh, I love that. There's another clip that was a little longer and it had some language in it and some sword fights and all. But anyway, it's a great movie, Princess Bride. So we can learn a lot from this. We can learn a lot from this. Mr. Montoya, what does he do? He starts out with a polite greeting. Hello. And he states his name. No, I go Montoya. He's got a relevant personal link. You killed my father. And he's managing expectations. Prepare to die. <laughs> I could watch that movie over and over again. I love that. Uh, I, I've heard Pastor Daniels talk about uh, like almost dead. That, you know, that whole routine. But anyway, so, you know, I know we find humor in this, but uh, I also want to be sensitive to, the, to those that have, have lost loved ones this year. It's been a rough year. And there, I know there's people in here today that have lost loved ones and they're hurting. And this is the first Christmas without their friend or their family member. And it's tough. It's a tough time of the year anyway, but when you're going through the loss of a loved one, then, so I, I want to be sensitive to that. But the idea is to prepare to meet God. People spend more time preparing for their vacations than they do to prepare to die. Like uh, there's a group of us at work, and we, we do this annual dual sport adventure up in the high Sierras every year. And we plan all year long for this one little vacation. And it, it lasts just a few days in the, at the end of July, and, but we're planning and planning and planning. Or we do an overnighter on motorcycles and we plan and plan and plan. Uh, but, but when it comes to, to dying, we don't do so much of that, right? Like uh, when I was growing up in Montana and Idaho, I would often wonder what happens when you die. I don't, I don't know if you guys experienced that growing up, but you're just like curious what happens when you die. And I remember specifically, I had a close friend, Sean Schaller, and uh, he drowned in the Salmon River. And we're like 16 years old. And uh, if you know anything about that river, it's got this undertow, and just like, like the Kern River, right? And just pulled him under. And, and uh, 16 years old. And I was trying to make sense of that whole thing. And I remember asking people, like, what happens when you die? And it's like nobody could really tell me. I remember going to the memorial service, and, you know, I was hearing words and all, but I just, I didn't, maybe didn't have ears to hear. But it's rather terrifying. 
And it creates anxiety when you're young, you're growing up, and you think like, what happens? And there's also a lot of close calls. Uh, I remember on a snowmobile one time, I went through a barbed wire fence, no helmet, of course, because you don't need helmets, right? So the barbed wire strand, it comes up on the windshield and I kind of duck down and it hits me right on the top of the head and lays my head open, right? And at the time, I just, uh, just another experience, just get some stitches, right? And so, and my, my family owned a logging operation. And if you know anything about that, there's several ways to die doing that. And uh, I remember one time I was on a rubber tired skitter and you know, you know, like if you've ridden quads or whatever, you know that like when it's going to tip over, right? And I re remember being in that position and on the steep mountain up in Idaho and uh, I just, I jumped out of the high side and it just rolled down the hill and kept rolling and rolling and rolling and it hits a tree, breaks in half and keeps on rolling. So didn't even see half of that, but it's just one of those in traffic accidents, lots of traffic accidents. But so what happened was I just gradually quit thinking about it. Like the fact that you could die, just like go on with your life, right? You go, you go to college, you go to trade school, um, you just move on with your life. You have your career, marriage, mortgage, children. But it's when I was 32 years old, it hit me. I have this amazing wife, we have a child, we have another one on the way, we have property. Things are going good, but there's just like something missing in my life. I just couldn't figure out what, what's going on here. So I love my wife. I work hard, raise a family, grow old and die. That's it. Aren't you glad you came today? Such an uplifting message, right? But that's where I was at 32 years of age. I thought like, so what's the purpose of life? What, what, what are we supposed to do with it? And then a friend invited us to church. And it wasn't right away, oh, did I say that a friend invited us to church? Okay, that's how people come to church, by the way. People, we invite them to, just, okay. But after a period of time, and it wasn't right away, because we went, we started going, and it was a few months into it even, maybe. But I heard the gospel. One day, I just heard it crystal clear. And it was so clear. And it's never been the same since then. But, and I remember that the pastor, he was talking about being on a, on a uh, swather in Oklahoma, cutting hay in the summer, and it's hot, and he's sweating, and he's just covered with dirt. And, and he's describing that, and I could kind of relate to that, because when you're logging in the summer, it's the same kind of thing. And then he said, that's how you come to Jesus, just the way you are. You don't get all cleaned up, you come just the way you are. Because I, I wasn't sure if I qualified for the program, because, man, I have this crazy thought life and I have this history and I'm trying to be a better person, but there's something going on here. But there's a peace that comes with embracing the gospel, trusting in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life and repenting and accepting him as our Lord and Savior. But that, that gospel, man, I, I never, never got over that. The good news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, willingly goes to the cross to die to pay the penalty for our sins, rose eternally triumphant over all of his enemies so that there now is no condemnation for those that believe, but only everlasting joy. That is such good news. That is such good news because that fixes everything. 
That fixes everything. But the gospel is just the beginning. You know, people think it's a, like a one and done. Oh, you accept Christ, now you know you're going to heaven. It's all good. That's just the beginning. John 10, 10, the thief comes to only to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So I, I, I want to go back to the journal for the last couple of months because there's this topic of death. I hate to depress you guys, but this topic of death, it keeps coming up in the last couple of months. And uh, it was on December 8th at the refinery during one of those turnarounds I was telling you about. They were taking some gas lines apart to clean them. And the operator, he broke off this bleeder valve. It's a three-quarter pipe with a valve on it. It's welded, but he broke it off. So all of a sudden, there's 60 pounds of fuel gas coming out of a three-quarter inch pipe, out of a 10-inch pipe into a refinery. This is not a good thing. Right? So I remember we, we crawled up on this scaffolding and we had these little pipe threaders and we're trying to cut some threads on this pipe that was broke off so that we could screw a valve on there so that we could block the valve in and stop the gas flow. But the threader wasn't working because the pipe was too thin. So we went to plan B, which was I had this stainless steel tapered plug and a brass hammer. And... I look at Mike Leonard, I go, Mike, are you prepared to die? And he goes, yeah. And I go, so am I. So I put it in there, smacked it as hard as I could, and the gas stopped. And then all of a sudden, I was hit it a couple more times, you know, because I'm feeling pretty good about that. But in that one moment, I was asking myself, like, I could die right now. Mike and I could die right here doing this. And a couple of months ago, a friend, I was sharing this with our community group, a, a good friend of mine, I've known him 25 years. He's 43 years old. He fell, uh, fell down with chest pains, had a massive heart attack at the refinery. And, you know, I had to get in there and move the scissor lift out of the way so they could get the gurney in there. And they're, they're hitting him with the paddles and everything. He brought him back and then they, they lost him again, brought him back. They took him to the hospital. He ended up dying. But 43 years old. And he's, he's like right there. I'm looking at him. That's art. And he's not breathing. And one day last month, there's on Panama Lane, there's two fatalities within 12 hours of each other, within a half a mile of each other. Just people being how they are. We've got viruses, cancer, strokes, the global numbers around 150,000 deaths per day. An average day, nearly 8,000 people die from all causes in the United States. We don't plan for these things, they just happen. I recently had uh, influenza A, had the flu, but annually 36,000 people die from the flu. It's the seventh leading cause of death, the flu, right? So uh, there's all these things, but then there, there's other times where we just kind of bring it on ourselves, right? Back to the motorcycles. We're up in the Sierras. <laughs> this is a couple months ago. And, uh, oh, got to tell a motorcycle story, right? Okay. So we camped out overnight up at Menachee Meadows, and we were coming home. We stopped in Isabella, and we had dinner, and we're coming home. And I didn't know it at the time, but I had a couple of cracked ribs, right? And I just want to get home. I just want to get back to my family. So uh, we leave the restaurant, and I said, I'm just going to leave the group. 
I'm going to take off, right? So I take off, and I'm down the road pretty good from Isabella, and then I'm coming into the canyon. I look back, and there's a, I see a headlight back there. And I don't want to mention DJ by name, okay, but he's on a KTM. He's right behind me, and I can't shake this guy. And the more I can't shake him, the more I want to go faster. And so you get behind, he's pushing me, right, pushing me. And I'm going into the curves, and I'm on this bike, and I'm just going faster and faster. And I'm going way too fast. I'm just waiting for the bike to slide out from underneath me. Or, or if I come around that next corner, is somebody going to be in my lane? One of those deals, right? Or you look down, you see the Kern River right here. And you're thinking, oh. Like, there's one point where they, they ran out of money or something. There's no barricades right there, right before you get to the mouth of the canyon. I'm thinking, oh, gosh, this is not good. Not good, but we bring it on ourselves. But the thing is, when we're prepared to die, you're also prepared to live. When you're prepared to die, you're also prepared to live. So death and dying are uncomfortable subjects for most people, particularly when it comes to one's own death. Many of us make our way through life never even give much thought to our mortality until something happens. We get sick, we lose a loved one. Uh, there's some jolting experience in our lives. Uh, I remember hearing about uh, William Randolph Hearst when he would have these big dinner parties at Hearst Castle that you could talk about anything you wanted to, but death. He didn't want to hear about it. That would never be the topic of conversation. People, they kind of shy away from that. So how do we take our own death to heart? How can we be prepared to die? Scripture calls death an enemy because of death's finality and because so much about it is unknown. It's not unusual for us to feel anxious about death and afraid of dying. But the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ has destroyed the enemy of death once and for all. Now with the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he said, destroyed death and through the good news he has brought eternal life into full view. The first and foremost way to prepare for death is to be sure we are in a right relationship with God. Those who have trusted Jesus Christ for salvation need not fear death, but can have full assurance and confidence in facing the grave. How can you know for certain that you're saved? You ever wonder about that? Is it just about saying a prayer? How can you know for certain? 1 John 5.13 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Heaven's a free gift. We can't earn it, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We don't deserve it, for it is by grace that you're saved through faith, this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone boast. We need to acknowledge our sin that it separates us from God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And realize that we can't save ourselves from sin. Be there perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Try that tomorrow morning, January 1st, 2024, I'm going to be perfect. I'll be perfect and then everything will be all right. So however, in spite of our sin, 
God is merciful. The Bible says God is love. But he's also a just God. And by no means will the guilty go unpunished. There has to be a price to be paid for the sin in our lives. So God takes care of this in the person of Jesus Christ, the infinite God-man. John 1 talks about, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And Jesus Christ lives a perfect, sinless life and willingly goes to the cross to die to pay the penalty for our sins. Isaiah 53, one of my favorite books in the Bible. This is 700 years before it happened. Isaiah is saying, all we like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. Through his stripes we'd be healed. This gift of eternal life of heaven is received by faith. Not merely head knowledge or temporal faith, but saving faith. Trusting in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. So, Acts 16, 31, it says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. This is, this is one of my favorite stories from the Bible. And it's talking about the Apostle Paul and the Philippian jailer. And it's at about midnight when Paul and Silas are singing songs of hymns and praise to the Lord at midnight. And, which is interesting because prior to that, they got the wadden beat out of him and they got thrown in prison, right? And they cast a demon out of a slave girl, upset some people. He's a Roman citizen. He gets arrested and he's thrown in prison. But not just like in prison, but in the bowels of the prison. And they talk about stocks. There's chains all over them. And so it's at about midnight that they're singing these hymns and there's this great big earthquake and the chains come off. The doors fly open. The Philippian jailer's freaking out. He's about ready to fall on the sword because he knows his job's, his career's over with, right? And Paul, in a loud voice, says, do yourself no harm. And so he kind of, you know, he stops and he goes, he grabbed a light and he walked in there and he goes, sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's the first question that comes out of it. So one minute he's getting ready to fall on the sword. The next minute, what must I do to be saved? And what does Paul say? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Powerful story. And that's just the beginning of the church in Philippi because it was uh, Lydia and everybody, uh, they, they started this church, and it, it was from that. And then after that, they went over to the Philippian jailer's house, and they, they bandaged them up, Paul and Silas. They had, some people were baptized. They had a big Baptist meal, I'm sure. And that church got started in Philippi because this person believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it means placing our faith in Christ as Lord and Savior because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's admitting, believing, confessing. The sting of death is removed for true Christians because we know where we are going when we die. Our perishing bodies will be transformed into immortal ones and that will live forever with Christ in God's eternal kingdom. So now that we're prepared, 
What do we do with that? What does it mean to have life and to have it more abundantly? Abundant life is eternal life. After we have placed our faith in Christ for salvation, we're redeemed, sealed by the Holy Spirit, justified. But that's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of our relationship with God. We have this whole new journey of sanctification to look forward to. It's all ahead of us. Learning who we really are, our identity in Christ. True abundant life consists of an abundance of love, joy, peace, and the rest of the fruits of the Spirit. It's not about stuff. It's not about material things. This new life is, revolves around growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, realizing we're a work in progress. Learning, practicing, maturing, adjusting, enduring, and growing a little bit more like Jesus and a little bit less like us every day. But it's a process. One day we'll see God face to face and we'll know him completely as we will be known completely. We will no longer struggle with sin and doubt. This will be the ultimately fulfilled abundant life. Jesus promises a life far better than we could ever imagine. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. All the more reason to love God and love others. You know I had to throw that in there somewhere, right? Love God and love us. It's a good place for it. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power of the work in us. So today, we've talked about the importance of preparing, about being prepared to die in order to be prepared to live. We've talked about the abundant life in Jesus Christ. And as we close out this service, so this is the last service for 2023. This is a good time to deal with whatever it is you're dealing with. Okay? I want you to be encouraged that you matter to God and that you're not just a spoke in a great big wheel or a tiny blade of grass in a great big field, but that God knows you and he loves you and he has a plan for your life. He, he loves you thoroughly and endlessly. And I know we're, we're going through some stuff. Everybody in here is going through some stuff. And you've got some situations in your life that you're just struggling with and you're wondering like, man, am I gonna make it through? Here's another year already and I'm still dealing with this thing. And there's been these losses in my life. There's been this guilt that I can't get rid of. There's been broken relationship, unrepentant sin. There's a lack of peace and joy in your life. Whatever it is that you're going through, I encourage you to deal with it and deal with it today. And it's at the foot of the cross that you deal with it. You go to Jesus and you just tell him what's going on in your life. And he forgives you completely. He loves you thoroughly. And he does have a plan for your life. So we'll have some leaders up here in the front. We'll have a, 
uh, a time of invitation before we have communion. But uh, I, I encourage you, if the Holy Spirit's working in your life and there's something you need to deal with, or if you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, that you come forward and grab somebody by the hand and have a conversation with them. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just praise you in all things, and you are so amazing. And, uh, and I just want to reach out to those that, uh, if they haven't received you, uh, haven't received that gift of eternal life, that, uh, that they, uh, they listen to the call, and they come just the way they are. They transfer their trust and what they've been doing into what you do in their lives, what you will do, accepting you as uh, Lord and Savior, repenting and turning away and drawing near to God and uh, to be with you. I just, uh, what a great day of worship as we look forward to this time. Just love you and praise you. And may you be glorified in all that we do. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.